Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is gonna feel real good, alright? Most dope. Everybody, please put a thumb in the air. Hey everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. You're listening to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. Uh, not much has happened, but we're absolutely going to get into quite a bit of, uh, I don't know, I guess minor controversies that have surrounded the club in the last couple of days or so. Also talk about a trade that may or may not be happening. Get some development camp notes. We're going to get to all that in just a second. First, I got to tell you about Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. BSH Radio is presented by Bet Online, and now we're going to get into the introductions, leading it off with the fly by herself, Kelly Hinkle. I'm so excited about Baby's first live read. Look at us. <laughs> it, it, it didn't go as poorly as like some I've done on the radio before. So say, I'm pretty happy got about a that. Fucking pro doing them, like no worries whatsoever. It's, I would have tripped over. I am a horrible reader. That's the problem. Is like I'm really a slow. Like I need time to digest reader and reading out loud. I hate, but it's I'm getting better. Absolutely crushed it. Please enjoy the service that they provide. <laughs> That's I also can't make fun of the commercials anymore because I know what they are. I'm mm-hmm. reading them. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have anything else From, to say. I was just excited okay. about that. Uh, we're going to see how long this show goes. I don't know how much any of us have to say. <laughs> uh, from TheAthletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. Hey, gang. So I am now actually enjoying my summer a little bit, which is great. Like, I've been, you know, listening to new albums, catching up on my music. I'm cleaning my house today, which I haven't been able to do for the last month because I've been working nonstop. So I am very much in a great mood. Not going to lie. I'm doing fantastic. Charlie does not look as if he's coming to us, like, from a padded room today. Yeah. Doesn't look as if he's a danger to himself or others. He's looking a little tan. It's good. It's good times for uh, good times for our everyone's favorite beat reporter. Uh, I want to get into this this dumb thing that happened at the the I guess Garden Hathaway's introductory press conference. It was a Zoom call, a yep. media availability, in which there was a uh, a bit of a hot mic situation, I suppose, and I. Our friend, you know, friend of the show, one of the better beat reporters in this town, Gianna Han of The Inquirer, asked a, uh, what I thought to be a question that allows Garnett Hathaway to say good things about a team that everyone thinks sucks. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. why do you want to be here? Like, yeah. the premise of the question, hey, you're o- almost 32 years old, you've been to the playoffs five years in a row, you just played for Boston that won 65 fucking regular season games, um, why'd you choose the rebuilding team? And that allows him to say, well, you know, I like what they're building here, I, I like what Tortorella's doing, they're gonna do things the right way, try to be more competitive, and I get to take on more of a leadership role. It's a win-win for everybody. Someone in the Flyers' PR department took umbrage with the question and asked, is she really asking this fucking question again or how many times is she going to ask this fucking, whatever it was. It's basically like how many uh, times. Now, to, to be clear, and I, I yeah. want to make this distinction, that wasn't 
Hot Mike was not like it's not like Garnet Hathaway could hear that. It's not like Gianna could hear that. No, no one yes. could hear that in the interview. What happened was someone in it, it was basically explained later that it was someone in the social media department. So there is a distinction between social media, PR, yeah. and social media. Yeah, but yeah. like in all honesty, they do work pretty much hand in hand. So like the the, the line is is pretty gray. Let me put it that way. Um, they work pretty closely. I'd together. like to get that right. So good yes. job. But yes, it was somebody in the social media, and then there was someone else. The first person that commented was a, a man. Second person that commented was a woman. Um, and then what happened was basically, I guess the social media department was recording the Zoom call with the plan of putting it up online, both on YouTube and then on Twitter. Um, well, while they were doing the initial recording, they forgot to mute themselves. So the recording picked up what they were talking about while Garnet Hathaway was talking and while reporters were interviewing Garnet Hathaway. So that was mistake number one. Then mistake number two was that they tweeted it out. So they tweeted out their own hot mic mistake. And that's when people caught it because people then wanted to watch the, the press conference, people who probably hadn't seen it they would only saw it they only saw people's tweets who were live tweeting it so they wanted to watch the press conference and then boom you've got someone in the social media department two people in the social media department actively shitting on gianna's question which as you said it was a perfectly fine question i asked a very similar question to mark stall basically like hey dude you were in the cup final like a month ago and now you're playing for the flyers like what what's up with that man like it's a completely reasonable question to ask why anyone would want to sign it's the only question yeah i don't give a shit about anything else like why what (laughs) we did 10 minutes last week on like what isn't this odd like just and we figured it out we talked through it but i was like this is fucking odd no (laughs) also and like the answer allows Hathaway to say nice things about a team that everyone thinks sucks. Like, <laughs> it's a win-win for everybody. Also, like, that question is asked of nearly every free agent that signs with a team. Any mm-hmm. team. Not yeah. just a shitty team like the Flyers. A new guy comes, chose this team, presumably got other offers, maybe. Some guys just suck and they don't get other offers, but presumably they had some other offers. They chose... Team X, you ask, hey, why'd you choose this team? Like, it's like such an innocuous question. And like, I guess maybe they've been hearing it over and over because the Flyers have been signing a bunch of new guys. But like, yeah. you're go- like, that's a question that you ask every new guy. And I saw like, I saw some people online being like, well, it was a stupid question. It was a hack question. Like, Charlie, really no offense. Wasn't. Doesn't a- it wasn't. No, it's a very good question. This doesn't apply to you, Charles, but. To be fair, hockey media generally, and particularly the bunch of dickheads that have been covering the Flyers for the last 20 years, not Charlie and not the new people, um, ask nothing but hack questions that are like very clearly designed to get a specific answer so they can plug yeah. it into their yeah. pre-written column. That's and keep We've it talked about this, like, yeah. column already written, right. we've seen it, like, I've seen the reporters then press the question because they didn't get the quote that fits their pre-written story. And they ask the same question again. And finally, like whether it's Craig Berube or whoever, it's just like, I'm not going to give you the answer. I know what you're looking for and you ain't getting it. Like it could be your favorite color's orange. You're going to ask me, what's my favorite color? And I'm not going to say orange because go fuck yourself. (laughs) Right. Like That's not this question. No, it's like an it's like an open-ended question that allows for yes. an interesting answer and like you said allows for the new guy to pump up the team and do a little fan service which everybody loves. It's just like it's so funny to me that this particular question of all the questions that we've heard asked during these press conferences. This is the one that these jackasses got themselves hot mic'd on calling it <laughs> stupid. Because like I am quite sure that there have been it's other questions like, that they thought were way way stupider they just didn't get caught talking about it and that's like one that's my first takeaway from this is like you'd be naive to think if whether it's pr social media whoever the people who do this job whatever it is don't react to that 
don't react that way to like 50% of the things are said because they're just sick of it. Yeah. Like it's like every job, you right. know, like I worked behind, I worked at restaurants and you could ask me for a very simple thing. And by the end of the day, I'm like this fucking guy, yeah, of no, course he fair. wants his burger medium rare. That's totally and it's fair. like everyone ordered the burger that way that day, <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> but I will say to spin a negative into a positive, a common complaint about the Flyers organization as a whole has been that they are disconnected, they are unaware, they don't get how they're perceived. And I'm very happy to have seen them get ahead of this thing yeah. after they realized everything that got fucked up because it took a little while for anyone to figure it out. Like When the Keith Jones statement gets tweeted out, Every reply underneath is like, what even happened? I don't even know what they're talking about. They could have attempted to sweep this under oh, the rug. Yeah. And, 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 and they didn't. Yeah. And while that's base level, like, base level, like, at least they're not trying to pull the wool over our eyes and pretend it didn't happen. Yeah. You know, like, there's other stories in sports with much bigger fuck-ups lately where people are like, well, let's see if we can just news dump this, you know? And they actually got ahead of something. So I will commend them, while there was a fuck-up, at least they had the wherewithal to be like, yo, my bad. I, I, Our I bad. Will, yeah, the I end. Our bad. That. Like, I don't think that the previous incarnation of the Flyers organization when you had Chuck Fletcher as both president of hockey operations and general manager, I don't think they get out in front of this because I think what probably happens no. in that organization is that, you know, Chuck Fletcher, who, as I've said, great guy, like not nothing bad to say about him as a person. I'm sure that Chuck Fletcher would have done exactly what Danny Breer did, which was call up Gianna and apologize on behalf of the organization. I, I'm sure he would have done that because I think he would have felt bad about it. I do not think it would have made its way over to the business side of the club until after the, the actual video leaked publicly, like, last night. Because so, no one would have thought to do it. Like, I don't even think it would have been, like, malicious. It would have just been—it would have been, like, the, the freaking proud Pride Night thing, where, like, no one told the business team what was coming. Yep. Like, yeah. like the yeah, fact okay. of the matter is, comparison. is, that, is that in this, in this situation, like— Clearly, someone someone made a mistake. Really, they made two mistakes. They had the hot mic, said something stupid on the hot mic, and then tweeted it out after fucking up on the hot mic. So, like, actually double mistakes. You had to make two mistakes for this to be a problem. So, good job, dude. But at least <laughs> the people who are in authority in the organization, at least they recognized it before it blew up and went viral and had already, number one, addressed it with Gianna. Number two had put out a statement getting out in front of it. I do not think the previous version of the Flyers organization would have had the foresight and the, I guess, I hate to use this word because it's such a fucking buzzword, but the synergy across like different segments of the organization to, to pull that. It's up. a great hockey stick, you know, <laughs> <laughs> the original, the original graphite one piece. There, there was nothing like the orange or green synergy. Um, I will like. Just to put a bow on this, because I like it's not even worth talking about yeah. this long. To just say like how things have improved while there was a fight. Like Danny Briere's on the WIP morning show talking about this yeah. today. Comes up, he says we're embarrassed, wish it didn't happen, we apologize. Like at least because I've said on the hockey side, like listen, everything's peachy right now. We're happy with what they're doing. There will be missteps along the way of this rebuild. It's how you then react to them. I'm not going to compare like, oh, we drafted the wrong guy to someone said something dumb on Twitter, but at least there's like a baseline. We're going to acknowledge our mistake and then fix it and move on rather than let it fester. And now this has ruined the t Like, you know, I, I, I maybe I'm grasping at something here, but I'm trying to spin this positively for the team because I don't want to bash them over a dumb mistake. However, it was so dumb. It was really oh. dumb. And, and it just, I mean, as, as someone who works with Gianna on a daily basis during the season, like, it sucks that she had to become, through no fault of her own, had to become, like, one of the main characters of Twitter yeah. for a day. Like, that, that I think, is the worst part about this. Like, like, the and, main character. Yeah, you never want to be the main character. And usually the main character is someone who, like, actively screwed up. Did whereas the mistake. It, yeah. yeah, whereas in this case, she became the main character 
by doing nothing wrong. Aside doing from, her job. Yeah, aside from asking a question that one dude in social media for the Flyers thought was dumb at that particular moment. Like, that, and that's not fair. I don't think we need to belabor this any longer. Glad they cleaned it up. Glad everyone uh, made their, you know, made nice at the end. Uh, Charlie, you're you're all set now. You're enjoying your concerts. You went to a concert last night. Again, you're looking tan. I think you're hitting Wildwood on the weekends. <laughs> but just a week ago, just a week ago, you were uh, covering development camp. We did have a brief conversation. I think it was the beginning of camp uh, last time we recorded. Do you have any takeaways from uh, since the last time we all spoke? Yeah, yeah. I've I mean, heard Bobby Brink look good. Bobby Brink was quite good in the scrimmage, um, which honestly, yeah. like, that's when he probably will look the best because, like, he's... he's he should. He's not he's that... played in the NHL. But, like, he's not that fast. He's not, like, really strong. It's, it's not like he's going to shine in the drills. Like, he's supposed Battle to be a guy where he's, like, a hockey IQ guy who's going to be creative. And in that scrimmage, he certainly was. So... He he looked exactly the way I, you wanted him to see to to show in a scrimmage. He didn't score a goal, but he nearly scored like five. Like he was all over the friggin' ice. So props to him. I mean, he's gonna. It, it oh, looks great. like can't finish. Yeah, it, I mean, I know, I know, Bill. But it looks like blue balls brink. It looks like at least he's going to enter camp with some momentum after what was a really not bad season, but just like he was injured, he came back, he took some time to get back into I think a rhythm after missing all that time. So this year is a big year for him. I will say, though, and I, and I did a, a full story on development camp. I believe it was published on Saturday. Um, definitely check it out at The Athletic if you haven't. I took a ton of videos, basically did deep dives into 10 players, and then a few scattered observations on like four or five more. Um, but the, the one guy who I would say stood out to me the most in a positive way, both in the scrimmage at the end of camp and really – throughout the entirety of the, uh, I guess it was a five-day camp, four or five-day camp, something like that. Sure. Um, Emil Andre. So this guy was the defenseman they took in the second round in 2020, and he looked really good. Like, mm. really good. Um, I've always been a fan of his. And he's coming over, right? He, they, they want him to. So he came over at the end of this this past season. He played a little bit for um, for the Phantoms on an amateur tryout deal. He signed to an ELC. So he he is under contract with the organization. There is a rule now though, it, the transfer agreement between like Sweden and and the NHL changed a little bit. And basically what it is now is that if a player is like his rights are retained by the SHL team still, like even though he's not under contract, the NHL team can keep that guy if he's in the NHL. If he's in the A, if, if they're going to send him down to the AHL, though, they basically have to offer that player back to his SHL team. And they get the right of basically first refusal for him to play there. So I think the Flyers absolutely want him to be in North America regardless. And I don't think, like, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility he makes the team out of camp, but I certainly wouldn't consider him a favorite given the fact that, you know, they've got. Camuar, Travis Sanheim, Mark, Mark Stahl, Stahl Nick Sealer, like all these guys are left-handed defensemen, and so is Emil Andre. So like, I forgot really, Nick Sealer was still here. Not really sure where he Never fits. Never forget. But my guess, if I had to guess, is that he will probably stay in North America. I think they'll probably come to some sort of agreement because I don't know why the why the SHL or his SHL team would like play hardball on this if he wants to stay in North America, and I believe he does. But I'll tell you, like. Watching him in that scrimmage, watching him at this camp, like, he looks pretty much NHL ready to me, at least in terms of getting a shot. Like, he's a small guy. He's, like, five foot nine, but he's built like a tank, and he is not afraid to throw his weight around. Like, he was throwing hits like crazy on the third day of camp. I guess this would have been the day after 4th of July. He was, like, hitting everything Oh, well, sight. he did... Is he, he the one that killed? Somebody, right? He, yeah, he, he tried to kill uh, Elliot Denoyer. Yeah, he nearly him? hurt Denoyer. Denoyer played in the scrimmage, Rude. so he was fine. But you know what? Like, hey, I put this in my column. It kind of reminded me of when Scott Lawton concussed Shane Goss's bear in a development camp scrimmage years ago. And like, well, not ideal. Don't want to see Shane getting concussed. Like, it kind of hinted at like what Scott Lawton was going to ultimately be, which is this like high effort, heart and soul type of guy. If if we have to pay the price like of Denoye getting a little bit banged up for 
Andre to make it clear, like, hey, I'm not going to take any shit from anyone, and I'm going to be, like, kind of a, a, a small but physical defenseman who also has creative ability and can, like, be a real good second pair of defenseman for the Flyers for years to come. Like, I'm cool with that because he looked like that guy at camp. Absolutely. And we're going to need um, defensemen because, you know. Well, that's – it brings me I'm, – I'm glad you, you mentioned that, Kelly, because speaking of defensemen, last time we spoke, we were under the impression Tony D'Angelo was en route to Carolina. Yeah. Uh, they're taking him back. And now that the date has passed, you know, it was being held up because it hadn't been a year since they made the initial trade and with the salary retention and all the shit going on, they weren't allowed to do it. Well, that was like four, what, three, four days ago. It was a year. Yeah, sun, Sunday was No trade the, yet. Sunday was the day. I still think the yeah. trade's going to happen, but I understand, why the every, fuck? I understand why everyone on Twitter is losing their goddamn minds over it. Um, I think really what's probably holding this up is that the Hurricanes are in the process of trying to get Eric Carlson from the Sharks. And I don't know if they would still trade for D'Angelo if they get Carlson. That's my thought. But I still think they could. But I do think there's an element of like, look, we don't know what pieces we would be sending out in that deal. So like, let's just hold this until we have more clarity on the Carlson situation. It's it puts the flyers in a bit of a tough spot because sure I mean, like this was a trade where like, this isn't like the Travis Sanheim deal where yeah, Travis Sanheim almost got moved, but they were getting a first round pick back for him and they were getting like a legitimately pretty solid defenseman in Tory Krug. Like, yeah, I'm sure Travis Sanheim's a little bit ticked off that they tried to trade him, but like, it's not that hard to bring him back into the fold to be like, look, Travis, we still like you as a player. We just want another first round pick. And Tory Krug is a good defenseman and who has, who has three, if, three fewer, four, four fewer years left on his deal, I think. So like, you can, you can bring a guy back in the fold. The D'Angelo thing, like they're very clearly just jettisoning this guy. And I don't know how you accept him back in and keep him on this team when you basically made it abundantly clear by the nature of the trade that was apparently agreed to, which was we're going to retain 50% of your contract for one year and get back a nothing prospect just to get rid of you. Like, I don't know how you take a guy back like that. Like, he knows you don't want him. And also, if saying I'm really, like, was pissed, he could just waive his no trade. Yeah, Yeah, right. Just do that. Uh, But that's... I'm thinking if, and Brett Burns, obviously a legend in San Jose. So like maybe he could Carlson. be part of it. Oh, I see what no, you're saying. That's, yeah, yeah. Okay. Maybe he could be being sent back as just like a, hey, fill some seats, sell some jerseys. You got your guy back. But a defense that, and it's great because this was like my favorite team when they put it together, Carlson and Burns. <laughs> but a team that has Carlson and Burns. I really don't feel like needs Tony D'Angelo. You don't, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. like just the pieces here. Maybe you put one of each on. On now, you have one of those guys on each line, and it's like a descending. All right, we have Eric Carlson, <laughs> one of the best defensemen of all time, and then well, scoring defenseman at least, and then Brent Burns. It's like, well, he was fucking electric in his prime, and he can still move the puck real nice. It's like, and then Tony D, who's eh, he'll give you some points. He can be on your second power play or something. He'll be all right. And unless you're going to do that, w- there's no way, right? No, that was, as soon as I heard that they were in on Carlson, I was like, oh, they're just going to get way better Tony D'Angelo. They so got, like, yeah. Like, if, if you're going to get, if you're going to get a guy who scores and plays no defense, get the guy who can get a hundred points, not 40. Yeah. Get, you know? get, get the best guy who scores and plays no defense. Yeah. Get the best like, where the offense actually outweighs the defense to the point. They gave him a Norris despite actually being bad in the defensive right. zone. Sure. He's like, missing a foot. Uh, Irrelevant. Yeah. Eh, it's fine. He's, you only need one. one. Yeah. It's all right. Um, it's, it's, ma- it's made out of like, like robot parts at this point anyway it's cool yeah just you put it in in the skate and it doesn't matter what's in there yeah. it's fine just get out there the skate does the work yeah. ask Jeff Carter you can play with one foot <laughs> ping uh, <laughs> should we let's uh, let's take the ad break here yeah because we're supposed to do those and then uh, on the other side 
talk about the York and Cates contracts and then the Mitchkov stuff to wrap it up. So stay tuned for this uh, advertisement and then we'll be back in just a moment. All right. Welcome back, fam. Uh, we've already covered the uh, Hathaway hot mic incident that took over Twitter for about a day and a half. It was funny. I'm on uh, the WIP afternoon show today and they're like, Bill, perfect day to actually have you on when the sun's up. There's a Flyers story. <laughs> I just wish it was a hockey story. You know, right? why can't we talk about Matt Vey Mishkov? But of course, the stuff that's come out about him is also annoying, but we'll get to that in a minute. First, um, I want to do the, the Cam York and Noah Cates bridge deals. I didn't, th- I, I wasn't expecting them to get like long, long term contracts or big AAVs or anything. Is they retain guys they were going to retain who hopefully have big parts of the future. Is there anything else to this? So I saw a lot of people, sorry, Charlie, I saw you were going to talk. Um, I saw a lot of people online kind of like pissed off, particularly at the York deal, that they didn't lock him up long-term. Like it was some failing on the flyers part, but Charlie, you might have some more insight into this. It seems like, a lot of players are not taking long-term deals right now because of the cap situation. So like to me, looking at these deals, it seems more, more likely that the players wanted short-term than the flyers wanting short-term. I would say that that is most likely the case because you're right. Team like agents and players know everyone knows that, you know, unless there's another global pandemic that shuts the world down, world down again. And, Please, God, hopefully that doesn't happen. Not like, the salary on. cap is going to go up dramatically in the next, like, two to three years. And when Let me it, tell you what's never going to happen. Shit getting shut down again. Maybe there's some bad <laughs> oh, stuff no. that happens. We'll just Ain't all Ain't no one following no rules. No. <laughs> We're just all going to die next time. Everyone oh, yeah. yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> anyway, um, go on, Chuck. Anyway, Sorry. so everyone knows the cap's going to go up in two, three years, and it's going to go up dramatically. And when it does... There's going to be a lot more money to play with. So agents and players, like I'm thinking to uh, Gavrikov in uh, in L.A. And like Gavrikov's older. He's he doesn't have too many too doesn't have many more years left in terms of like earning a lot of money. Like he's significantly significantly older than both Noah Cates and Cam York. But he took a two year deal because he's like I want to position myself to make a crap load of money the next th- the next contract, and I'm going to bet that I'm still going to be a top four defenseman at that point. Like, respect to you. So if they're taking that risk, then yeah, I would assume that the younger guys and their their representation are also thinking the same way. That said, I mean, I personally advocated for the Flyers to strongly consider, if possible, to go long-term with guys like York and Cates especially. I don't think I would take the yeah. risk on Morgan Frost yet just because, to be quite frank, I don't trust him yet. Um, whereas I yeah, look at, how could you, I look at York and I look at Kate's and I see guys where I think in four or five years, they still have a role to play on a much better flyers team. Whereas with Morgan Frost, I'm like, are you a below average third line center on a good flyers team? Like maybe, but I'm not, I don't know if I really want to lock that up to a seven year contract to, to guarantee myself a below average third line center. Um, so I would have been happy if the Flyers had gotten one or both of these guys on a long-term deal, because I think they will save more money over the long-term, especially because, like, these bridge deals, like, they're paying them, and this is just because of the nature of signing RFAs coming off of their their entry-level contract, like, they're going to save a lot of money. Like, Cam York is probably a $5 million a year player right now, and Noah Case is probably a $4 million a year player right now, and they're paying both of them under three. They're paying York under two. So they're going to save a lot of money. The thing is, is, like, who gives a shit? They're it not contending matter. anyway. Like now is when it doesn't matter. Yeah, like the Flyers are using all of the savings that they're getting from Cates and York, and they're using it to pay Cal Peterson five million dollars a year. <laughs> like, like that's like, so. Like it doesn't matter, and that sucks. It sucks that like the savings they're getting doesn't actually help the Flyers one bit in terms of winning a Stanley Cup, which is why I would have loved to them try to maybe pay a little bit more now when the cap saving doesn't matter to get the bigger savings in four or five years when it will hopefully matter because the Flyers are hopefully out of the rebuild. That said, it takes two to tango. You need players on the other side willing to take a long-term deal. Like Cam York's like representation very well might have been like, all right, yeah, we'll we'll do a long-term deal if you give us $7 million a year. And the Flyers right. are like, well, no, that that's ridiculous. And they're like, well, yeah, because we don't want to do a long-term deal. 
It's like Fram oil filters, man. Save a little bit now. Save. Or, ah, I fucked it up. Anyway, you tried. Um, I, I, I like Cam York. I, I see a ton of potential in. I don't know if I would have locked him. I guess I, I listen. I'll take Charlie's word for it. He's a much better evaluator of both uh, results as well as market value than I am. But Noah Cates, I just see the potential of Sean Couturier, and I don't know if he's ever you know selkie winner, sixty eighty point guy that Sean Couturier thirty goal guy that Couturier turned into. But I just think about that long-term deal Couturier signed. Like, those those deals had the Flyers had competent front office. Yeah. The deals that they had Sean Couturier and Wayne Simmons yeah. signed to through their primes should have been the gateway to we can spend on a lot of really good shit rather than we can spend on Andrew McDonald. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> um, Dale Weiss, but baby. Like, I, I, yeah. Woo! Dale Weiss. Um like I just look at that like four point three million for six years they were paying for Sean Couturier and like when the offense came around it was like oh my god look at this deal we have but even if he's just a really good two slash three C he's your shutdown line that's very important for a playoff team yeah like that could be absolutely huge on a playoff team and you'd have the dude locked up through his prime do you have to overpay him at thirty yeah maybe like the Flyers are doing with Sean Couturier now. But you got that savings when you really needed it. I would have loved to see, uh, I would have loved to see Noah Cates locked up. That said, ain't no one signing the long term deal. It makes no sense. You're gonna make more money in a year or two, so make more money in a year or two. Uh, it's hard to maybe you know negotiate harder. Like, okay, we didn't hand out any Sanheim contracts like we talked about last week. Like, what didn't you give them? You know, what didn't right. you, you got Cam York for two million bucks. Like you're not overpaying the guy. You know, so it's I can't blame them for not getting this done. I would have liked to see. I would have liked to see Noah Cates. Sure, lock him up six years. But if he's got an agent worth the whatever percentage he's making, he's going to tell you don't sign that dummy. Yeah, I think. I mean, the the main reason why a player would sign a long term deal in this situation, if you're York or Cates, is basically the, the idea of like well, shit, what if I get injured and then I don't get another contract? And, like, that's a very real risk. Hockey's a dangerous sport. But I understand why both of these guys and their representation were like, look, let's take the risk of you having a serious injury these next couple years because not only is the cap ceiling going to go way up, look, both you guys are playing for a rebuilding team that doesn't have many players better than you. So you're going to get a lot of minutes and you're going to get a lot of opportunities to rack up points. Volume, baby. Yep. Volume. Yep. You, you get paid for production. And like Noah Cates is the team's 1C right now, unless Sean Couturier is actually okay. Like, like would, would, it shock he's anyone, not a, would it shock anyone if Cam York averages 24 minutes a night next year? Wouldn't shock nope. me because who the should. fuck else they got? I was going to say, yeah, he, he should. should. Yeah. Whether he can handle those minutes, whether he's good enough to play those minutes, find out now. Give it to him. See what happens. I would love for Cam York to play 20. That's a victory. Finding out if he's capable of being that guy for you. Like, the wins and losses are irrelevant. Find out if Cam York can do that. That's a season well spent. It is much better than the way they spent this previous season. <laughs> um, speaking of down the line, Matt Vay Mishkov is hopefully going to be here after the next three seasons. We learned from a certain hockey podcast this week that oh we we were told I don't know if we learned <laughs> uh, we're told he's an asshole. I'm basically. hearing, yeah. <laughs> we're told <laughs> that an 18 year old has some growing up to do. Um, sure, okay. Do you think now the guy fell to seven? He's been called, at worst, the third best player in this past draft. Obviously, the situation with Russia, both him having a contract and just the shit show, as Charlie referred to it, that is Russia, uh, played a role in this. But there were some rumblings, like, oh, he's not meeting with teams, he's a little difficult to deal with. Do you think there's something to what came out on Spit and Chicklets these last uh, couple of days, whenever it was? So, yeah, 
I mean, I would imagine that like any teenager who has been told for literally his entire life that he's the most special boy and (laughs) is already a superstar hockey player in his home country. um, Yeah, he's probably a little bit of a dickhead. But also, that's true. There's a thing with Russian players that they don't get the benefit of the doubt yes. the way no, that the Canadian yes. guys do. And, and I'm glad there you are a lot that of, out. There are a lot of Canadian dickheads too, but yep. <laughs> no one no one says anything about them. They're allowed to be showboaty assholes because they're also good farm boys from Saskatchewan or whatever. But Mitchkov is... Saskatchewan. <laughs> is Russian, so he everything he does is going to be seen as an as a negative and also like can we grain of salt the source because someone reminded me well, that's um, the... on twitter that and i forgot about this but when leon dreisaitl was new to the league um biz nasty 2.0 thought that he had a cologne line because he was from cologne <laughs> and biz didn't know that was a place okay that's funny so that's really funny Maybe we don't. That's need... actually. I did not know that, and that's hilarious. Just because Honestly, Biz that's played the game doesn't um, mean he like necessarily I, knows when, a lot of stuff. I didn't. I didn't listen to the actual bit, but I, I did either. read the transcript, and or at least the transcript they were referring to. And I gotta tell you, this sounded a whole lot. Like the Jimmy Butler in Minnesota story. Charlie, I don't know if Kelly knows the reference, but basically Jimmy Butler, uh, he loves to win and hates to fucking lose. And some of his teammates uh, didn't love the way he went about expressing that. So one day at practice when he was like relegated to the third team, basically. so good. He led... He led the third team in a scrimmage to beat, like, the two star players of the team and was just talking shit, ripping them a new asshole the whole time. <laughs> and Basically, you, you guys, you. like, you guys got no heart. You suck. You don't give yeah, a shit. Yeah, you fucking I'm, P-words. Yeah. Like, like <laughs> yes. And that's kind of the vibes I got, and I love it. Yes. <laughs> I hope he's this way. That's my. I thing. hope that's who he is. Yes, that's the thing. Like, I want a motherfucker who what? hates to lose, Here's who hates thing. to lose more than he loves to win. <laughs> Fuck winning. I'm never gonna lose. Exactly. I'll die before I lose. Like, I want that, and I will. I'll refer back to a couple years ago. Remember when it was still the trope Ovechkin can't win shit, and there were people coming out you don't understand this guy's been coddled his whole life he's needed the best teammates it was the i don't care it was the dude who said i don't care how large your erections are for his highlights or whatever oh yeah that guy and then he and then he goes on like yeah yeah, the length of whatever (laughs) it was and like then he goes on like the next year to win the stanley cup like okay but i just think of that and it's always like take it with a grain of salt you know what i so what i'll say about the Mitchkoff stuff. And I, I tweeted out a lot of this. I will elaborate here. So I obviously was at the draft in Nashville. When you're at the draft, you have a lot of conversation with people. A lot of stuff that, like, it's off the record. It's, you know, just just industry gossip. Because everybody in hockey is at the draft, and you're just chatting up and trying to build source relationships and things like that. Like, I heard some of this stuff that, like, yeah, these character concerns aren't, like, this isn't, this isn't nothing. And it's not like, you know, and everybody I talked to was like, don't get me wrong. This isn't like a, like, you know, he was accused of sexual assault or he's like, you know, he's gotten arrested or something and they buried it. Like, no, it's just that, like, some people don't like his attitude. He's not the most popular teammate, things like that. And Kelly, I love the fact that you know that the the Russia bias, I don't even know how the way the way we want to put this, but like, I do think that that's real, that hockey men in the nhl are already there's already a part of them particularly the older ones who are negatively predisposed towards russians so when they hear these things they're like oh my god like one guy who i heard mitchkoff's mitchkoff compared to i believe it was Corey promen who wrote this in one of his stories because he addressed the the character stories he's like yeah i've heard this stuff too but he's like honestly based on the digging i've done and by i i'm speaking as Corey. 
he reminds me a lot of Jack Hughes and the rumblings you heard about Jack Hughes before he got drafted number one, where like good. he's a dick and you know, he thinks he's the shit and he's cocky. And like, you know what? Jack Hughes now looks like a superstar. So like maybe that doesn't matter that much if you're actually good enough to back it up and actually be like like you can't be Nolan Patrick. You can't be going around and acting like you're the shit when you're not that good. But if you are that good, you can kind of get away with it because you're scoring 100 points. And it's like, well, you know what? If he wants to be an asshole, like he's winning us games. So forget about it. And he's also only 18. He might grow up. And there's another factor here, too, that I want to I want to throw out there is that. while I don't believe this is this stuff is made up. I, I there's there's been enough enough things that I've heard from people like from different people. That, like, yes, he rubs people the wrong way. He rubs some people the wrong way and whatnot. However, I do think an element of this, I got the sense after day one that the Montreal Canadiens were taking a lot of heat from their fans as to why they did not take Mitchkoff. Yeah, rightfully so. And then I got the sense that people in the Montreal front office were trying to put out a narrative off the record of being and trying to get this out there that like Mitch Koff's a dick. Like the flyers were wrong to take him because he's just like a total yeah. piece of shit. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if that is part of this, that Montreal is, is putting some of this stuff out there and maybe over-exaggerating a bit to save face because everyone in that market is livid. They took the, the decent right-handed shooting defenseman over the future Russian superstar. I abs- honestly, if you've heard anything about what uh, some San Francisco radio hosts are saying about Philadelphia fans, I welcome a total piece of shit into our little family. Yeah, he's also, ours. Yeah, he's, he's ours. Our asshole. Uh, be a dick, man. Yeah. Also, if you're one of the people who subscribes to the idea that the locker room was an issue during Claude Giroux's tenure because everyone was kumbaya. No one ever called each other out. Well, here you go. Here's the opposite of that. <laughs> yep. I personally think the problem with those Flyers teams was a complete lack of really good players. However, we have heard that that locker room, it was like everyone's friends. Maybe it, it's not. There's not the level of tension there needs to be because no one's going to get called out if they are a little off their game or whatever. Well, it sounds like the guy who's going to be the Flyers' best player in three years is the opposite of that. Yeah. Maybe all this is bullshit. Maybe he grows up and isn't a dick and three, whatever. But it can't, it might not be a bad thing. Now let's kill two birds with one stone. Now we get high-end talent and someone who will tell all the other players that they suck. Perfect. <laughs> exactly yeah, I mean, what we yeah. need. To, to me, like, and the overarching point I made Slap on Twitter the C on him now. after all this stuff broke was like, look, even if it's true that right now, at age 18, Matt Vayamichkov is an asshole, and I cannot confirm one way or the other whether that's absolutely true, even if that's 100% true, the Flyers absolutely 100% should have still taken him because you know what? Yep. He was the best damn player on the board and he's 18 years old and you hope he grows up because guess what? I know a lot of people who when they were 18, they were total pieces of shit and now they're fine. <laughs> I, I, listen, Bill Ray's it's, like, it's, like slo- it's like the sloppy steaks guy. Like I was a piece of shit. People can change. <laughs> yes, Charlie, yes. <laughs> I just don't know. Can... Does the baby think people can't change? <laughs> oh, so I, what? I'm, this is one of my favorite shows just because we reference sloppy steaks now. Um, yeah, like you all know me as as affable, fun loving, uh, Philadelphia host of Broad Street Hockey, but I'm not gonna say I was like the nicest guy. Like <laughs> I was probably. I, I've been told I was a great teammate. Also, I was an asshole to people at the same time. So like. I, He's 18. We have no idea what he's going to grow up to be as a human. And unless he was running a fucking dog fighting ring, <laughs> they had to draft him. 
Like, no questions asked. Had to draft him at seven. Should have traded up to five just to make sure. (laughs) They got lucky they got him at seven. Needed to take him. Yeah. Okay, so real quick, am I the only person... Is it crazy that I legitimately think the entire Russian government um, is, like, purposefully withholding hockey players from the Philadelphia Flyers because of the 70s? I wanted to, so we talked last week, and this isn't even on the outline, but we're like only 44 minutes in. This is on pace to be our shortest show ever. Hell yeah. We talked last week. (laughs) We're going to get out of here. No worries. Um, We talked last week about the Fedotov thing and how maybe, just maybe, the KHL won't register that contract. Kind of goes against their unwritten agreement. Um, They did it. He's staying. Yep. Sure looks like it. Is it just a... Russia saying fuck you to the rest of the world thing? Is it a Flyers thing? Well, so the case... And that, then the other guy, too. The case that they're trying the KHL, to make... they, They've broken off the relations. Like, the, the agreement they had ended when Russia's like, we're invading Ukraine, you don't speak to us anymore. Yeah. The case that, that the KHL is trying to make... And, like, it's, it's a bullshit case, but there's enough there that you can theoretically argue. So basically what happened was, when the Flyers signed Fedotov last summer, they signed him to a one-year deal that lasted for the entirety of the 2022-2023 season. Now, because the Flyers didn't, like, basically renounce that contract, it essentially tolls, and they retain the rights to, to Fedotov for this year. Now, in the KHL's eyes, it was that, that basically it wasn't, the KH- it wasn't the KHL's fault that which it probably was, but it wasn't the KHL's fault that Fedotov got arrested and got sent to the Arctic Circle for a year. It wasn't their fault that Fedotov couldn't come play for the Flyers during the year he signed the contract for. Now, Fedotov does not have a contract for 2023-2024. He doesn't with the Flyers. So, he's fair game to be signed, and therefore, we're not breaking any rules we would have been breaking rules if we would have had him play for us last season, but we didn't because he was being a soldier. And now that he's finished his military service, <laughs> he's not under contract with the Flyers, so we're signing him back. So that's their argument. I think it's a bullshit argument because everybody knows that, like, number one, the KHL was probably involved in getting him sent to Siberia. Not Siberia. Well, you know, way up, way up north. And number two, like, the Flyers clearly would like to bring him over and would very easily just move last year's contract to this year if it means bringing him over. But there's enough of a gray area where, like, at least they can pretend that they're following some sort of rules. So it's not like they're straight up just, like, flagrantly ignoring a contract. They're just saying, no, the contract was last season. That that contract's done. Now he's free to be signed. Before we, uh, before we wrap this thing up... I want I want us all to look into uh I'm uh, before that I'm because I'm gonna say balls again um <laughs> Kelly I'm very disappointed I didn't get a better laugh out of you uh, on Blue Balls Brink can't finish I, I oh, really fuck. thought that was gonna pop you good and I got nothing um disappointed that's, for me personally no, that, I mean I that's a failure better. on my part no that's a failure on my part. <laughs> And I apologize. <laughs> I, I I guess I got to just be funnier. Uh, but as we look into our crystal ball, we're, we'll record, you know, at some point, seven days, whenever. Uh, y- you know our schedule, listeners. I don't have to bullshit you. We figure it out when we figure it out. Will the Flyers have made any sort of uh, major move by the next time we record? And by major move, like I doubt they're going to sign too many big free, like, no, nothing in free agent. Like, There's nobody will... left. There really wasn't anybody there in the yeah. first place. Yeah. Like, Travis Konechny, Scott Lawton, Travis Sanheim, Carter Hart. You think there's no. a surprisingly big trade coming up soon? I mean, personally, I hope not because I'm enjoying relaxing. I, I think, so I think the ship is, I really think the Lawton ship has sailed. Because I think their yeah. big thing was like, if we can use him to get assets for the draft we really like, we'll think about it. But we never really wanted to move him. And now that the draft has passed, it's like, okay, let's just keep Scott Lawton. We never wanted to trade him anyway. Sanheim, it just comes down to whether he would be willing to waive a no-trade clause, which has now kicked in. And I don't think he really wants to leave. So I don't think he would, unless maybe you're trading him to, like, Calgary, where he's, like, close to where he lives, or where his family's family is and everything. So, like, maybe. Um... 
Konechny, like, that's a wild card. It truly is. Um, I do think that the fact that Detroit got Debrinket probably hurts the Flyers a little bit because I think Konechny may have been their backup plan had they struck out on Debrinket. But when it became clear that Debrinket really only wanted to go to Detroit, there was no way they were going to strike out on him because it's not like Ottawa had a ton of leverage when, like, a guy wants to— this guy is only going to really resign with one team because he wants to play for the Red Wings. Like, all right, guess we got to get whatever we can for him. So Konechny's like a maybe. I still think there's a there's a decent chance that some sort of D'Angelo deal goes down the next week. Now, whether we consider that major, oh, I yeah, don't him know. Too. But like that certainly could happen. Konechny to me is the one guy I'm keeping my eye on as like, you know, if somebody still wants to make a blockbuster, like Flyers are listening. It's just very much like you got to blow us away because we really like Travis Konechny. So we'll see if anybody blows him away. Anybody have anything else? League stuff? Anything interesting going on? No. What's it the seems- next concert you're going to, Charlie? What is the next concert I'm going to? Oh my uh, god, I might, I might force Charles to go to a new metal like festival show yes! in August. Ooh. Yeah. So I went to, uh, I, yeah, I went to a concert um, at Underground Arts uh, last Friday with uh, with two friends. A uh, band called The Dirty Nil, a uh, Canadian band. Honestly, very fun. Put in a really fun show. Um, but up on a flyer at Underground Arts was this, like, new metal dance fest at Underground Arts where, like, they're going to be playing, like, you know, corn and Limp biscuit and all that shit. And I know that's extremely Kelly shit. So Kelly I, took shit. A pi- I took a picture of it and, uh, and sent it to her. And Kelly's Woodstock like, I might go to this. And, and I was like, Kelly, if you go, I'd go with you. Like, screw it. That'd be fun. Shit, I kind of want to go. This could be a nice little BSH outing. Yeah. Uh, all right. Everybody. That is all the time we have for you on BSH Radio. Never forget that Broad Street Hockey is brought to you by Bet Online, presented by Bet Online. Uh, thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, you've got to hit that subscribe button. Search Broad Street Hockey wherever there are podcasts, and you'll get us. It's good for you. And while you're in the subscription mood, may I suggest BroadStreetHockey.com? I'm told it's a great website. Uh, that'll do it for us, uh, for Kelly, for Charlie. My name is Bill Matz. Have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about sports? Yeah! What is up, Astros fans? This is Jeff Balke and my partner, former Astro Jeff Blum from the Believe in Astros podcast to tell you baseball is back and we've got your world champion Houston Astros covered. Every week we go inside the clubhouse, break down the games, discuss the players and give you everything you need to know about the Houston Astros baseball organization with special guests and a few surprises all summer and into the postseason. So tune in to the Believe in Astros podcast. That's B-L-E-A-V on Apple. Spotify, YouTube, and everywhere you get your podcasts, go Astros.